Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 149. We're still neck deep in spoopy territory, and that just makes me happy. Uh, today we're going to talk about something and some things that often get a bad rap in the horror community, and they're not always the worst thing. Sequels, remakes, and prequels. All of those together, I think, kind of come with an asterisk of, Well, they're never as good as the original. Well... <laughs> Some of the ones we're going to talk about today are actually better than the original, but a lot of times they're pretty bad, but there are some diamonds in the rough out there of good horror prequels, sequels, and remakes that actually are thoroughly enjoyable and actually enhance their overall universe's lore and stories. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to basically be the positive side like we always try to be as we have a lot of negativity in our news topics this week josh yeah josh how you doing this week i'm chilling man it's uh it's been a busy couple days and will continue to be a busy couple days um it's gonna be a long couple days here in a minute um for reasons that will be revealed uh but yeah it's giggity giggity um yeah man it's been chill uh i've just been working a lot um, got a new boss at work, and he uh, doesn't always know what he's doing. Um, so I'm picking up a lot of slack on that. And he doesn't but, listen to this, I hope. Uh, I don't care if he does, because I let him know. That, that is the, the, the relationship he and I have. Is like, hey, man, you're really screwing up. And I was like, yeah, hey, thanks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love working in the kitchen, man. It's it's fun. It's a, you can just be mean to each other, and it's just understandable. Yeah, that sounds right. Kitchen, you learn all kinds of new words too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. New ways to insult people. Like it's great. It's so great. <laughs> uh, Josh, you watching anything good or playing anything uh, good? How's Fallen Order going? I am. I just found out who the stranger on the wanderer on medical. Oh, Malico, the shirtless dude. Malico. Yeah, I just found out who he is, and then Malikos. Yeah, I. That's the last thing I remember. I haven't played in a few days just because I've been really, really busy. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I, I went had to go and reconstruct my lightsaber and all that, and so it's like I'm. It was just such a cool sequence, and like okay, I'm fully I was tempted up, and oh. I was tempted to tell you not to get the double bladed lightsaber because I. I got it off the bat just like you did, just because mm-hmm. I knew it was there. But I think it's more narratively rewarding if you don't get it then, and then you get it when you rebuild your lightsaber, which is such a good moment. And you're just yeah, like, it is. I will say, though, um, I agree. It is narratively better if you don't get the double-bladed right off the bat. I did not know that was a thing early on. I was just like, ooh, Malachor, that sounds dangerous. Let's go there. And this was just kind of ha- happenstance kind of thing for me. But the whole time leading up to the, the that moment, I was like, man, it doesn't make sense, right? Because Darth Maul can split his. Why can't I use Poot too? That's not fair. And so then, like, you know, the moment happens and you can. I was like, okay. Yeah, I'm alright with that now. Alright, cool. That's the fine. The first time anybody shows up on Malachor when they're playing Fallen Order, it's the basically that Simpsons meme of, I'm in danger! Yes! You're like, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, are you done goofed? <laughs> um, also, uh, I don't know if it did this to yours, and maybe it's just because my, maybe it's a 
my PS4 or something, but um, this this is the first PS4 game I've had that where like it broke. Like I fell through the ground at one point and just kept falling. Uh, I don't know if that's common with fall, Fallen Order, but like it can be glitchy. The PS5 yeah, one is yeah. better, but it's still kind of glitchy. Yeah, I because uh, so you know the 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 back door, the exit door for the underground village on Malacord, right? That leads yes. up to the yeah. Okay, so uh, I was like trying to figure out what all I needed to do on Malacord, and I was like, well. Because I, I was, I, I'm the, you know, I, I've played, grew up playing Legend of Zelda, so you know, you complete everything before you move on to the next stage. Um, I was like, there's got to be a way to get through that door, and like I turned around where those two, uh, those two vines are, and something was off. Like the 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 area across the the hole was like glitching out, and I was like, that's weird. Turned back to the door, and the door was gone. So I was just like, I guess I'll go in then. <laughs> Um, and so I went in. It was like battling around in that that little area, and then jumped and like clipped through a ledge, and then just continuously fell and fell until I had to like you know quit the game and restart it my last save. And like it, it, it's been fine since, but so I saw the village before I was supposed to see it as well. Uh, but yeah, it was cool, dude. It, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I definitely think I'm heading towards the back the back third of the game yeah malikos is one of the final bosses really yeah that made that 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 makes sense um he's not the final one obviously um obviously but but you're gonna have really i've really 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 enjoyed like watching cal and his journey and like the i like as annoying as it can be the puzzles are tomb raider level hard and i kind of enjoy that um, it's been a long time since I played a game of man. I have been trying working on this this puzzle for 30, 45 minutes to an hour. I, I it should be a simple solution. I don't understand. And then you go like, well, I'll just YouTube it then. Clearly, like, you didn't get to the library in Uncharted One because yeah, God, no matter that. how many times I played that, I still get stuck on that. Going, Why aren't they facing the right way? <laughs> well, like uh, the the lantern quit uh, uh, puzzle got me. I was like, I don't understand. Something should just and, then, and like I go through the water and yeah, like yeah, like what what is happening? It's covered. Why should it up? And then like the YouTube video was just like, um, just flip this switch and throw it there, and then go over there and force pull it and throw. I was like, I oh yeah, I've got a force pull. There's always simple. like that one or two power yeah. switch you forget you have. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's 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 it, and that's I, I'm starting to like really all of the force powers feel really really earned. Not to the where, point where you're like, oh well, you like not in like God of War where you're like, okay, I'm gonna need a specific power to do that and to do that that. So that's gonna get unlocked later. It's more like I'm a Jedi. I should be able to do these things. And you're just like, oh okay, yeah, cool. That that, that works. And so it's 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 a very very good game so far. I'll let you know when I finish it. It uh, will probably be a week. So I want to know. I can play it again. I want to know how you handle the final fight. Oh, dude, not looking forward to getting to, like, and that's the problem with like stepping away from it for a few days just because I got busy. Because I, I timing's know, off. I'm, my timing's gonna be off. Everything I'm gonna have to like go through intentionally put myself in some battles to make just to make sure that I get everything right again. Ugh. Like, 
obviously it's not a spoiler but obviously your final fight is second sister again the rematch obviously. yeah she yeah. was absolutely toying with you the first fight <laughs> like absolutely oh i'm going <laughs> oh no um i've been playing spider-man the ps5 remaster um nice just because i'm like i haven't played this in a little bit and oh, i keep heather's been watching me because she has followed the whole story when i played it the first time every just hour or two we'll just look at each other it looks so good it looks so pretty <laughs> like it already looked good on ps4 but the yeah. the 4k the 60 frames per second on spider-man oh my gosh like it feels like you're going so much faster than you actually are now. It just it's a world of difference. But I would watch a lot of stuff. Um something I think I watched last week but I didn't talk about was a surprisingly actually a decent Adam Sandler movie. I don't know why I felt like watching it, but I had not seen uh an Adam Sandler Jennifer Anderson movie called Murder Mystery on Netflix. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't like the best uh murder mystery out there, but basically Adam Sandler's a detective married to Jennifer Aniston, and they go on vacation, and they have to solve a murder mystery. And it actually wasn't bad. Adam Sandler's Adam Sandlerisms are tuned down quite a bit, so he wasn't overly annoying. If anything, Jennifer Aniston was kind of the more annoying character, of just she's kind of plays the stereotypical nagging wife, and that stereotype really, really annoys me, because it it's more of just it should be good communication not just you should do this or expect me to do this type of thing um but yeah. as a whole it wasn't that bad actually and i wouldn't mind a second one um considering they teased it at the end with a uh they literally hop aboard the orient express i'm going oh so you're at least guaranteed to be better than the last orient express movie yes i hated oh. it that much um I watched the original Creature from the Black Lagoon, more or less to round okay. off all the okay. original Universal Monsters. That was the only one I hadn't seen. It, it's pretty good. The only Universal Monster movie I don't like is The Mummy. I think that one's incredibly boring and dull. This one is probably second. It's not bad. There's some really, really impressive underwater stuff. Um, really impressive cinematography. It's just kind of whatever. It's not the best... Um, but it's really not that bad. It's pretty decent for its time, but you can tell that this is the tail end of that legacy. Uh, the creature design looked really, really great, especially for its time. Um, I will say I got really, really annoyed because literally anytime the creature is referenced or seen or mentioned, he's got the specific musical cue. No joke, they, I'm pretty sure they used the musical cue over 20 times. It's that <laughs> annoying. It would be like every... 30 seconds in a Halloween movie, they would go do 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 do. Like, okay, you can do other music besides this one. You can do nope, that. Not and also, not like, allowed. we'll talk about it later because there's a podcast discussion that we want to do at the end of this month for, about the Universal Monsters. If I was to reboot this, there's like two characters that I just merge into one because there's a woman character in this and she's very much just your stereotypical 50s movie female of just, I'm just kind of here. There's a point that I'm watching it. She's just like, when are you going to propose to me? We've been together for six months. And I'm going, excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, my. Six months and you want the ring? Like, were times different in the 50s? Like, come on now. (laughs) What is this? A private Christian college? (laughs) That's three months. And that's, that's that's not private Christian school. That's just senior desperation. Uh, I watched that. I watched a movie that we'll talk about later um, that I'm going to put in the best remix category, so I'll I'll leave that for now. Um, 
It's a remake that I feel like we don't really talk about nowadays, but it was surprisingly good. Uh, and then lastly, yesterday I saw James Bond's No Time to Die. Yeah. I was worried going into it that it's, it's a two-hour, 45-minute movie. Honestly, for me, didn't feel like that. It was, I think it's paced really, really well. Um, That's good. I know some for some reason some people have issues with the fact of this is supposed to be the culmination of a Bond arc as opposed to episodic Bond movies and for better or for worse this movie does try to encompass everything there's going to be elements of specter there's going to be elements of casino royale there's going to be elements of skyfall and even some of quantum of solace like there's they really try and encapsulate everything into this movie sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't uh this is probably one of the best daniel craig performances i'm not saying it's the best bond movie but he's clearly invested in this one a whole lot more than he was in specter i think he wanted to go out on a high note uh, it's it's good. My favorite Bond, uh, Craig Bond and Bond overall is still Skyfall, and then probably Casino Royale, and then this. It's it's good. I will say uh, Ana de Armas, who was fantastic in Knives Out, is fantastic in this. She's completely wasted and almost a pointless character in this. She's only got like two scenes, and then they're just like, bye, thanks for this. Um, thanks for putting in this movie, Daniel Craig. But as a whole, it's not bad. My only real criticisms are... The villain is very forgettable, and this is not a spoiler, but I was dead wrong about the villain being Dr. No. It's just a villain named Safin. I think the movie could have benefited from it being Dr. No or a well-known Bond villain, because I don't want to go into spoilers here, but to wrap up the story arc adequately, I think, it would have been better had the villain had more connection to him. Uh, Blofeld from the previous movie, Inspector, is again in this movie. I would have just had him be the villain again in this. That way you already have the same villain back-to-back. You're already more emotionally invested in that. And also, Blofeld is a big Bond villain. You already have that established lore. Um, But for the most part, I thought it was really, really good. I'm not the most emotionally invested in the Bond franchise. Um, But it was weird going into this because most Bond movies, when a Bond's tenure is done... They just switch out the cast for the next movie. This one, it very clearly is the end of the Craig era. And you know that going into it. So you kind of have this emotion going into it. And for the most part, it delivers a pretty thoroughly enjoying, enjoyable movie. It's not the best Bond movie by any stretch. But it proves to me that Craig had more good movies than bad movies by the end of his tenure. Which is yeah, essentially just really what we wanted with this last one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, that's good news to hear then, because I I, I had been wanting to do, and maybe I'll do it after, uh, uh, maybe next week or something like that. Not next week, a week after. Yeah, no, yeah, next week. Anyway, uh, maybe take some time, watch all the Craig Bonds, and then go see No Time. But, like, yeah, it's it's good to hear, because I've heard a lot of mixed reviews on it. Some people saying, you know, it's not worth your time. Some people saying it's pretty great. I think everybody's in, in unison in saying it's better than Spectre, but uh, it's not saying much. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, I'm happy that, that it's uh, it was better than you anticipated it to be. Yeah, and also, like, for Bond fans, there's going to be some really deep-cut Easter eggs. Sure, I didn't get my Dr. No. There is actually still Dr. No references, though, in this that are very, very obvious, going, Oh, hey, you tried. You get the Simpsons meme of, you get the cake, at least you tried. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as a whole, it wasn't bad. I would, I'd recommend it. It's pretty good. 
Now, let's get into some news with some real crappy Photoshop graphics, shall we? <laughs> so first of all, we had something that I'll let him take the victory lap on this one. Josh yeah! said first, and he texted me because I was too busy watching my Halloween movies in preparation yeah, for something yeah, coming yeah. this week. I don't know what that is. Uh, but he know. texted me that Will Poulter had been cast as Adam Warlock in the new Guardians, to which I... Not that I don't trust Josh, but my immediate reaction was, who's the source for this? Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you on that Like, <laughs> there's been so many times that we've just been like, oh, yeah, this person's been cast. And then, like... Oh, it's we got this covered, or yeah, or the movie dudes insider info dot gov yeah. or something. I don't know, like something super super random. And so, saw this. I was like, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> and then I just sent you a screenshot of James Gunn's Instagram. <laughs> yep, that's that's pretty yeah, that, official. That, that's a good there. Co- confirmation right there, bud. <laughs> So, Josh, what do you make of this casting? Um, I, okay, look, this is not at all, I love, okay, let's start with positive first. Let's always start with positive, right? I love Will. I think he's great for this role. I can't wait to see him in this role. He, casting Will as Adam does put him a little younger than I thought we'd be going. Um, Also... I would have liked to have gotten this revealed in a trailer rather than someone like forcing James Gunn's hand or basically. at least an official announcement from like, yeah. James Gunn. Cause yeah. very rarely, if ever do we wait until a trailer to get to see who the cast well, is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree, but like, like you said, like an official announcement rather than James, just James was literally like, like, yeah, you know, I, I I always dispel rumors when they're wrong, and uh, Will Poulter is is has in fact been cast as Adam Warlock, and it's like, okay, cool. I wish I don't like how it happened, but I'm I'm, I'm okay with it being a thing. So, I'm conflicted. I'm like you. I really really yeah. like Will Poulter. Uh, we've been watching him a lot longer than we realize because Josh and I grew up on the Narnia movies, and he's the yeah. annoying little brat in Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And he was perfectly cast in that, too. Like, holy cow. Did you want to punch like, him in the face? Dude, he is, like, the perfect Eustace. Like, oh, my goodness. I still am blown away. That's, like, one of my favorite castings of all time. But then he's also great. He was just in, was it Midsommar? Mm-hmm. I was getting Midsommar and Hereditary kind of mixed up. Uh, Midsommar, he was perfect in that, albeit very small role. There's a surprisingly large cast in Midsommar. I really, really like him. And this is going to make me sound really, really mean, and I don't want it to. But when I was thinking of castings for Adam Warlock, I didn't think of Will Poulter just because this is... I don't mean to... I don't want this to sound mean, say but... It. Just say it! I don't know if Will Poulter is handsome enough to be Adam ah! Warlock. <laughs> wow. Am I wrong, though? Wow. I mean, he's a good-looking guy, but I, I get your point. I, I do get your point. And I, I think, like, yeah, like, I think of, like, a way more chiseled chin, like, something like Brad, like a Brad Pitt, like, maybe not as, like, rugged, but, like, yeah, like a... Yeah. There's rumors forever of Zac Efron. Like a Zac Efron type. And I... Yeah, I don't know, man. But here's the thing. If James Gunn is involved in casting, it's got to be good. 
Like, there's no way that this is a bad decision just because James Gunn really hasn't gotten casting wrong yet. No, I was about to say the same thing. All the Guardians castings has been spot on. You could maybe make the argument that, um, what's his face? Uh, Ronan in the first Guardians was kind of a miss, mm. but I think whoever you cast was going to be a bland, forgettable villain. Ronan was nothing special. But everyone else in the Guardians, I don't know if that's so much James Gunn or if that's a Sarah Finn thing because she's been the casting director for almost every Marvel mm-hmm. movie. I don't know if it's who gets more credit for that. But so far, the Guardians have not missed. So I will absolutely trust James Gunn's casting decisions here. Um, he's also perfect casting for, like, The Suicide Squad, which is perfectly yeah. cast. So I trust his judgment here. This is just not a name that I would have pictured i like the talent though a lot even if i have weird issues of just going really okay maybe there's some other maybe i'm missing something and he does have a large female or even male audience going he's a very handsome dude and i'm just not seeing it but seeing some of the other names that were reportedly in talks for him going okay sure because uh the guy's name I can never pronounce, but the, the lead guy from Bridgerton that left and is now in the Dungeons & Dragons movie, like Ray J something, he was in mm. talks. The main guy from 1917 was in talks, supposedly, uh, and Will Poulter eventually won out. My big issue with this has nothing Poulter-related, but by now, doesn't it feel like we've been waiting, like, eight years for Adam Warlock? Like, has yeah. the shine come off the apple a little bit? I feel like we've been waiting for this for a little too long now. Um, yeah, I think so. And part of that is just because, like, we get the hints of it in Guardians 2, so, like, we've definitely, at least at the very least, been waiting for it since Guardians 2, um, if not longer. But I think there was hints of him before that. I'm trying to think. I don't think so. Not off the top of my head, at least. But... See, but, like, saying that is also like saying, you know, hey, we've been waiting for Spider-Man for so long, but then we eventually got Spider-Man. So, I I don't know. I, I'm kind of trying to be positive about this, and I, I, part of it, too, is not knowing... No way, it's me knowing that Adam Warlock is, like, a, an important character, but not knowing a lot about him maybe has gives me a little sense of, like, yeah, I guess, sure, like, bring him in. So, I just had a thought, and it almost died of loneliness, but I think there's a reason why we get this news now, because they're not filming this, I don't think, for a little bit, a few weeks or months even. There's something coming out before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, though, that I think we're forgetting about. The Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special on Disney+, and James Gunn has said who he deems to be one of the most important MCU Marvel characters, will be making their debut in that Christmas special, which is canon. I kind of interpreted that as him playing a joke. But a trend lately with Marvel has been introducing characters on Disney Plus shows first before introducing them into the movies. Um, You're getting... um, What's her face? Kate Bishop. You're getting Miss Marvel. Um... You're getting, oh, who was it? Agatha Harkness. You're getting a lot of characters on Disney+. Plus. Josh, I don't think is down with the idea of the Christmas special. I didn't even know it was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. That's a thing? Yeah. Why? Was, do you remember, were, do you remember, was it last year they did that, like, big, um, like, kind of investors call or Disney Plus day? They announced, like, 
that's the day that they announced uh, Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron and the Lando series and um, yeah, Iron yeah, yeah, Wars. Yeah. Like that was something that kind of fell by the fell through the cracks for a lot of people, just because there's bigger, gaudier headlines. But James Gunn is still involved with it, and I think that might be to their benefit that it's flying under so many people's radars. I actually, I'm putting that on record now. I think Adam Warlock's going to show up in the Christmas special a la Boba Fett before he shows up in a movie. Okay. Sure. Like, alright. I'm just, like, trying to imagine, like, what Christmas in space would even be like. Like, how do you Groot is measure, the Christmas tree. Like, how do you measure time in a place that has no time? You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Time is a thing I, that you wear on your wrist. <laughs> Stop. Oh, wow. I haven't had a, <laughs> heard a, a Hug Me, I'm Scared reference in forever. Wow. And Josh um, is not wearing a creative color. Oh, I might go rewatch those. Do you know there's like eight of them? Yes, I do. Oh, they're great stuff. That's great stuff. But um, yeah, no, okay. I, but anytime some Disney talks about doing like a Christmas special, for whatever reason, my brain goes to the Star Wars Hey, the Christmas Lego Star Wars event. one was awesome. Yeah, but uh, the Star Wars <laughs> Christmas special. Oh, man. That was horrifying. You know who would greenlight a terrible decision like a Star Wars Christmas special if you thought it <laughs> would make money? Bob Chapek. Now, we've, we talk about Chapek a lot and how he's ruining Disney uh, quite a bit on this show, but... It's gotten worse. Like, we wouldn't talk about this if there wasn't something to talk about. And boy... Did Hollywood Reporter just basically light a match and just set a big old fire over at Disney mm -hmm. as they wrote a very, very interesting and scathing report basically about the, I don't want to say lost friendship because that implies that they were ever like friends more than just co-workers, but the fractured relationship between the Bobs. Bob Iger, the um, departing Disney CEO and currently the head of the board, and the new Disney CEO, Bob Chapek. This was a fascinating article that I got sent to me, and it was very, very eye-opening. It, it's been no secret that I do not like JPEG, and a lot of the Disney community does not like JPEG, and a lot of the Hollywood industry does not like JPEG. Well, it seems like Iger does not like JPEG either. So, the basic gist of this Hollywood Reporter article was uh, Iger took to the stage at a... Um, employee retreat kind of like the higher up employees like mm -hmm. the board members and everything else at one of Disney's newest like resorts in Hawaii Alani I believe uh, and basically said like sure we can do all this great stuff and everything else um, but we can't always just look at the data and the research and everything else everything comes from a place of creativity which a lot of people in the room took as a shot at Chapek who is very data and analytics driven and mm -hmm. i Iger basically said if we just looked at the data and the analytics we wouldn't have had movies like black panther or shang chi or coco and he's absolutely right because before black panther you could always quote unquote look at the stats and say that people don't care about black superheroes which is absolutely not true or you could look at as much as we don't like captain marvel you could look at the charts and say well female superhero movies don't do well so we won't make them because of like Catwoman or Supergirl. That's clearly not true. So where this gets interesting then is after Iger said that and the room was kind of like, okay, cool. 
Good send-off message for Iger. Chapek kind of gets to the stand and set more or less in his own terms, reinforces, no, Disney now is a data-driven company. Like, we will look at the charts. We will look at the stats. I'm just going, oh, boy. The world is about to be set on fire, and I'm going to get my popcorn ready, as Lane Kiffin would say. Um, yeah. Wow. Like It's a really interesting article, man. Like... Uh, lengthy article too very yeah it took a little bit to get through um and like some of the people that were like defending chapek in the article they kind of quote them as like no like i understand how it can be taken but that's literally just how chapek talks and all that and it's like uh, yeah but you don't you don't hear how tone deaf that is to have the outgoing ceo be like uh, hey, like we re- need to respect creativity and not always be like, and not you know not use the da- data to drive our decisions. And creativity should come first and all that. And then your incoming CEO, in his, is just quote unquote being himself. Excuse me, and is like, yeah, no, we're gonna be data driven. Like, how do you not like see that as a as a backhand to the to the outgoing CEO, you know what I mean? Like that's just mm. when I read it. Um, for those, it's a very very obscure reference, but for those who get it, it's like those that watch the uh, nostalgia critic shorts when I back when I used to. It's like the well the chart says guy. That's exactly who Bob Chapek is. He's the guy that'll always go. Well the chart says no no no. Yeah. What does your heart say? Well yeah. the chart says like no. <laughs> I've said this when he even before he got appointed uh, and as raising all the red flags that he would not be Disney CEO. For those people out there that are kind of sick and tired of the Disney remakes, those will not stop with JPEG. Those will increase with JPEG because he will only look at the numbers. He will not see that people aren't really responding them to super, super well. Like they're not getting the best of critical reception. He'll just go, oh, cool. They're making us money. And that's essentially all Chapek cares about. I was talking to one of my friends at work about this who used to work for the company um, but has now worked with my job and he's noticeably happier. I wonder why that is. Um, But he talked about basically his theory is he's – Chapek is trying to make up all the lost money from COVID all basically in the span of a year. I'm just going, we need to make all that money back now. I'm going, no, I think he's hiding behind the pandemic as an excuse to do all this extra stuff. Like, uh, I know Josh is not in the theme park bubble, but now Disney had fast passes, basically, like free to everybody. But it was kind of like a first come, first serve thing. Now fast passes are a pay per ride experience that they're implementing in the next week or two. That the prices will depend on the day and how busy everything is. But they're charging things for people that have not been charged before. There's no creativity. They opened three new shows for the big 50th anniversary. Like, Disney World turns 50 this year. All three shows suck. They're terrible. And one of them, I know for a fact, because it's come out in interviews, one of them was actually Chapek's idea. Because he went, went, oh, yeah, people love Disney songs. Why don't we do a sing-along show? And I'm going... Why? That's your most creativity. That's your most creative idea. Really? Like, Iger had his faults, but he let the creators be creative. Was it in the same article, Josh, um, that they talked about the differences between the two people? Like, yeah. when Iger, supposedly when Iger would come up to people in the cafeteria, he would ask them about, like, 
oh, did you see this interesting Netflix documentary? Or did you watch this new film? Or, like, he would engage with people, and he had his ear to the ground, and he was always seeking creative outlets. Chapek, there is none of that. He distances himself from everyone around him, except for the people that say yes. Like, we'll talk about in our next news topic. He's basically taking out people under Iger's regime and very, very quickly replacing it with his own people. And it's not going to work out well. I He's doing short-term gains that are going to hurt the company long-term. And I think it's bad that it's so public so quickly. Whenever you change power in any company, it's there's going to be a difference. There's a huge difference when Steve Jobs passed away and Tim Cook took over as much as Apple's still a dominant force. Tim Cook is no Steve Jobs. Like... He's just yeah. he's just Tim Cook. He's he's doing the best he can. But I will still at least say this that Tim Cook I feel like at least respects the legacy of Steve Jobs yeah. and at least he's trying to continue it but he's still trying to make his own signature thing. Chapek is just throwing the middle finger to Iger's legacy and going, "Nope. I have Disney now and it's mine." Like uh weird nitpick here. But for the 50th anniversary fireworks at Magic Kingdom, your big flagship park, the most recognizable theme park in the world, you introduce a new fireworks show. Isn't it a little wrong that all the movies referenced in it are from the past 20 to 15 years? There's no Mickey Mouse, no Walt Disney, no classic characters. There's nothing from the old. Chapek only cares about the present and the current, which is not a good sign. Again... You have to learn your history or else you're doomed to repeat it. Like, I, we talk about JPEG all the time on the show, but it's because he keeps sticking his foot in the mud and making things worse. Now, yeah. just, oh, we're going to miss Iger real bad real quick here. And the fact that normally theme park stuff is very niche and the mainstream will not report on it. But the fact that we're getting like Hollywood Reporter and Deadline talking about the rift between these two already... Mm-hmm is a damning indictment on the Disney name right now. The Disney brand is not in a good state right now, which is a shame because it's one of the biggest in the world. Yeah. No, I agree. I I mean, I would I don't want to freak out too quickly and be like, "Oh, Disney's going to go down the drain, blah blah blah." Like at the end of the day, you still have Disney diehards that love the park, will pay all the money for it. Who are in Disney. such denial right now. It's yeah. frustrating. It really is. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, give or take five years, I think. I, I don't know if Disney will be as big as it is unless something big happens. Now, this next one is a, is sad, but not as sad as our last news topic. But at the same time, it's hardly surprising, at least to me, and that is that Alan Horn, the current head of Disney Films Division and has been for about the last 10 years, has announced that he'll be retiring at the end of this year, like December 31st. He's gone. Now, he was a Bob Iger pick, not a Chapek pick. He was a Bob Iger pick, and frankly, he really, really helped stabilize the film division. So anything in the last 10 years, I know we harp on Disney had a lot of live-action remakes recently, but through Alan Horn, you had the rise of the MCU. You could say the Star Wars debacle, but look at The Force Awakens. I still maintain to this day, people forget how powerful The Force Awakens was. I think the the sequel trilogy, everyone always remembers The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, and they want to say 
the whole thing was bad. We forget how good Force Awakens was at restoring the Star Wars brand and getting people back interested in it. That's him. Disney had a lot of success with him as their CEO. Not CEO, but the head of the film's division, basically. He did a good job. Frankly, I'm actually amazed he stood as long as he did in this position. Because, before this, he was in retirement. Mm -hmm. Iger had to basically call him out of retirement to do this job. Because he's like, dude, we're screwed. We need you. You are a guiding and steady hand for this. And we've got big things that we would like to do. And the best thing about Alan Horn is he was so hands off. Like, Mm -hmm. for better or for worse, you can say, like, you don't like the remakes or certain Disney movies that have come out recently. Yeah. But you can't say that they didn't at least... They tried things. It's not... At times it felt corporate, but at least they still let their directors do their own thing. You didn't hear a ton, at least, of stories of, say, like, the new men in black, of the director and everyone else involved, basically, in fighting. This is this is going to suck. Like, it's not the biggest loss, but it's a... It's more a sign or a further indictment of the state of Disney currently of well Iger's leaving so now Alan Horn's gonna leaving and in his place is not a movie executive or even a former movie executive we have a marketing guy we have JPEG has appointed one of his buddies one of his friends one of his yes men a former marketing and brand guy as the new head of the films division worried yet Josh Mm, I just, like, the amount of times that you and I have had the conversation of, like, movies that didn't get good marketing but are incredible films and, like, iconic and blah, 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 and, like, and not, not just the, not just the Iron Giants, not just the Treasure Planets, not just the John Carters, but, like, the amount of times that, like, how often you and I can be, like, oh, well, this movie comes out next month and they drop their first trailer. I guess the company doesn't believe in it. Like, marketing has such a huge impact on films that just kind of casually putting one at the top of the film division and not... Just, that worries me so much for Disney. Like, not, not that I'm, like, heavily invested in, in it and all that, but, like, uh yeah, dude, it's it's it, it's kind of worrying. But here's the thing that makes me worried, at least, is at least recently with Disney, and this is a full credit to Alan Horn. Recently, Disney has been trying to tell different stories, like we said mm-hmm. earlier in the podcast. We had movies like Coco or Black Panther or Shang Chi, which are very very different stories told by different filmmakers and different heritages telling their own unique stories which i think only helps expand the viewer's worldview going oh so in shang chi this is kind of like what an asian community would be experiencing in their growing up and their everyday life Mm -hmm. or black panther how what that did for the black community like there's so many kids now between that and into the spider-verse that are going i can now see myself on the big screen and i don't think we're gonna get that as much now with people in the film division that just look at a spreadsheet and go well according to our stats these are the type of movies that do well these are the type of 
protagonists that do well. These are the type of characters that do well. Throw the spreadsheet out. Like, Chapek, the guy now running Disney, again, is the dude that threw Shang-Chi under the bus less than two weeks before the movie came out and goes, this will be an interesting experiment. No, you don't say that about your first predominantly Asian cast with an Asian hero that's trying something new that's going to be a huge deal for the Asian community. You don't throw that under the bus. You try new things. You tell different stories from all the different quadrants so people feel like they can be represented. And also, different communities tell different stories. And I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. the, the stories and the lore of Black Panther are going to be so different than the stories and lore from, I don't know, Captain America. But they can still coexist in the same universe. You need those different styles. Or the way Shang-Chi tells its stories. Or the way Coco tells its stories. Mm. Cultures tell different stories in different styles. And I love that. And I don't think we're going to get it as much when you just look at the stat sheets. It's kind of like the money ball approach. Yeah, you can look at just the numbers and see, okay, this does well and this doesn't. But baseball is more than just the money ball approach of looking at the stats. Case in yeah. point, Josh's Astros getting squandered because of bad officiating. Um, <laughs> that's Boy, that's don't more than me, just don't get me started on that game. That's oh more than gosh. just the numbers. But you've JPEG and current leadership are just the numbers and the stats, and you can't do that. You've got to have gut feelings. You've got to be creative. You've got to be willing to listen and be emotionally impacted by various sources. And I don't think we're gonna get that anymore now that Horn's leaving. You know, so I just had a thought uh -oh. of, of stuff that is, quote-unquote, going to be coming to, down the line Marvel-wise, right, in the next five, six years. Um, so when we talk about the X-Men, one of the most, one of my biggest things I think about the, uh, the Fox X-Men is that they had a tendency to be kind of emotionally sterile and storytelling wise they didn't they had a, they didn't really take a lot of chances necessarily and they you know they didn't lean into the mutant thing um which is kind of the whole point of the x-men um if chapek continues down the path that he's on we will get we will either not get x-men or we will get an extremely sterilized version to where everyone has the emotional capacity of Cyclops. Like that's movie Cyclops, not care, not comic Cyclops. No, both. Cause they're both absolute pricks. Anyway, I don't but they yeah. hit the comic one, but the comic Cyclops yeah, uh, definitely yeah. gets the short end of the stick in the movies. He gets completely yes. screwed yeah. over. Anyway, but I, I just, I can see the X-Men not being taken as the opportunity of diverse storytelling that it is. And that honestly makes me more sad, I think, than some of the stuff that's going on right now. Now to hard pivot away from Disney, let's talk horror. Josh's favorite horror franchise, Scream, or as some people online are calling it, Five Cream, which is a much better name. Uh, but oh, I, no. I understand that, like, the branding of you want to get in new audiences like Halloween or any other reboot that comes along. So now Scream debuted its first poster and its first trailer, and I'm mixed 
Very mixed. Um, I come yeah. into this as a casual Scream fan. I enjoy all of them. Yes, including the third one. I understand that the third one's the weakest, but I can at least have fun with them. But I'm never scared in any Scream movie whatsoever. Yeah. And they do feel and to lean a little more towards meta comedy than horror to me. Yes. Um, they're always just kind of fine. At the same time, here's where I'm going to put all the shields up in the world because I know there's some loyal screen fans out there. The movies have never felt, to me at least, as clever as they think they are. Correct. Like, like the first one, cool. But then they just kind of recycled the same logic of... Okay, we're we're kind of embarrassed that we're a slasher movie, so we're gonna poke fun at us and take the piss out of our own movies time and time again. That being said, I'm still excited about this one just to see the old cast return. However, if one of the original cast members, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, or David Arquette, is not the killer this time around, I might actually be pissed because you need to do something new and fresh. Like, clearly by this trailer that we're getting, we're not going to have one of the original cast members die in the opening like I kind of hoped. Um, mm. Or if you really want to throw us for a loop, have the person that's being attacked in the beginning be the killer. They fake their death at the beginning, so it's, they're off the table for the rest of the movie type of thing. Um, or they somehow survive, because every screen movie someone has to die at the beginning, so what if they survive this one? This one, supposedly, it's by the same people that did Ready or Not, which I wasn't the biggest fan of. I thought it was just kind of whatever, as much as I love Samara Weaving. Uh, they've said that this one is going to redefine all the rules while still following the rules. I'm just going, so are we really trying new things? Or are we just trying to adapt it for a modern world? And the tagline for the poster that we see here is, it's always someone you know, which to me further goes... You better be someone from the original cast, please, because I, I, I won't get off this. It still bothers me that Scary Movie has the better plot twist than Scream. Uh, <laughs> Dewey should be the killer, and Dewey should have been the killer from day one. Like, he's the one that calls um, Sydney in the trailer. What if he purposely calls her back? Like, we know in this movie that he's going to not be police chief anymore he's divorced he doesn't have the best life come on he's the perfect candidate to be the killer this time around or courtney cox who i've just always wanted her to be the villain just so she can die because i've always hated gail as a character in every single one of these movies um again this trailer's not scary though like Dude. as soon as if i saw I the had... landline oh. i was like really who has a landline anymore like at all um, well, it's like landline and then immediately showing that she has a cell phone that can turn her locks on and off. Like, what? That, that, what? Get out of here. Like, you, we know you're just using landlines because color ID is a thing. Don't, don't pretend. And like, the, the trailer simultaneously takes itself way too seriously and then also has moments that are not played for comedy, but are really funny. Like, her sitting there, flipping the uh, flipping the, the locks to armed and, and unarmed. Like, that's so funny! I, I was like, I know this is supposed to be intense, but this is... This feels like a scary movie moment. This is really funny. 
it takes itself too seriously. There's no comedy whatsoever, um, which I think is one of the reasons why I was like, I don't care for this. I don't want to see this then. Not because like, ah, oh, it's got to be comedy, but like, that was kind of the pull of the original Scream was like, this is going to be something different, something that is, yes, you'll be able to kind of giggle a little bit and then also be like, oh no, people are dying. Like, I get none of that here. I get, oh, we saw Halloween in 2018, which, by the way, I just found out there are people out there that absolutely hate it and think it's a terrible movie. It's great. Wow. It's the Force Awakens of Halloween. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, guys. Um, but, like, it's like they saw that and they're like, oh, we can, we can be a serious movie now after five films and a TV show. Like, no, stop, dude. Like, I... It's like, did you ever w- end up watching the um, the Scream? Uh, I had tried a few show? episodes and I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, why? Why? Because it takes itself way too seriously. It's like, hey, we're gonna use this idea of Scream and plop it into a actual legit serious um, serial killer story. Yeah, it doesn't work. That it just doesn't work on a lot of levels. And to me, this trailer proves that. That you can't, because of the the nature of the story, you can't take it too seriously. And maybe it's just me, but I have this muscle memory. As soon as I have, like, a knee-jerk reaction of, wait, you're saying this comes out January, mid-January? Oh, heck no. Like, excuse me? Like, I know this got delayed because of the pandemic a bit, but if Paramount was truly confident in this movie, don't you think they would have moved it out of January? At least to a February or March? Like, January is where movies go to die. Yeah. I, this That seems very ominous to me. The trailer, I know there's going to be diehard screen fans out there that like this. That's awesome. Good for you. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's people out there that didn't like the Halloween Kills trailer, and I thought it was perfect. This, I think they are leaning, just like, oh, look how big this cast is. Anyone could be a suspect. I'm going, well too big of a cast could also mean not enough characterizations for your characters and they kind of become bland and forgettable yeah as much as i'm just kind of okay about all the screen movies i understand and know all the characters personalities in almost all of those movies this i don't know it could just be because it's the first trailer so we're not getting a ton of that but I, I, I don't know i don't think this will have the success to the level of halloween and also scream has always been been very niche i think within the horror genre like people that like horror movies do live and die by scream because they identify with scream they're like yeah it's making fun of the tropes that i make fun of when i watch horror movies but i don't think the general public cares about scream as much as the studio thinks it does like the name halloween is big the name Friday the 13th, the name Nightmare on Elm Street, but we've talked about before, names are different than familiarity and actually caring about a franchise. So will people still care about Scream, which hasn't had a movie in 10 years? We remember how Scream 4 went. I like Scream 4, but that movie fell on its face. I don't know if this will be different this time around. Yeah, I don't either, because... like you said, the original thing for Scream was to make fun of the horror, the horror tropes. Well, by and large, those tropes aren't really around anymore. At least not in like a main, quote unquote, mainstream form of of horror films. Because 
a lot of people, a lot of directors, a lot of writers have worked really hard to make horror movies take be, to be taken more seriously, to have more diverse storytelling, so that you know those tropes don't exist anymore, and it keeps people in the seat longer. And that's I, I don't think Scream's gonna. I agree. With you. I don't think it's gonna work as well now because those tropes don't exist. There's nothing to make fun of. Very very true. Now this next one. <laughs> Disney, just 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 stop for a little bit. Like, we get that you need content. But is this really the content that you need? As reportedly, Agatha Harkness, the main villain from WandaVision, will be getting her own Disney Plus spin-off. Okay? Was anybody asking for this? Like, this feels like one of those that we talked about earlier with Chapek looking at the charts. He's like, oh, the uh, it was Agatha All Along song. Did how many downloads and, and streams? Oh, make that a show. And it's just Agatha's Wacky Adventures. Make it Sabrina the Teenage Witch, except Agatha. She's she's one of Sabrina's aunts now. Don't get me wrong. I thought Catherine Hahn's performance as Agatha Harkness was one of the better in the show, which I ended up being thoroughly disappointed with. I was not a big fan of WandaVision. It started pretty strong, but I don't think that all the pieces came together, and I think it it was a disappointment for me. Catherine Hahn's performance was not the issue. I would like to see more of her. That being said, this is not how I would like to go about it. Uh, maybe show up in, like, Doctor Strange. Like, that makes sense. Or, better yet, if Disney Plus keeps insisting on Stinger teases where... Um, What's her face from Seinfeld who keeps recruiting people? Maybe like a Dark Avengers needs their Dark Sorcerer or something like that to balance out Doctor Strange. Like that makes sense. An Agatha Harkness show. However, there it is. I was waiting for it. I was like, I was waiting for the the, the gears to start. Turning. However, if dude, you don't I set think... it in the present, if yes! you set it Why would you? in the past. Yes! Why would you? Oh, I'm telling you. Okay, look. I think you are. You might be underestimating the amount of people that do actually really like Agatha Harkness as a character, um, as well as the actress. But yeah, why would you like? I think spinoff. A first of all, anytime Disney Disney better not start becoming Netflix where they announce spinoffs and then just kind of like, well, I guess that's not a project anymore. But we won't say anything. Um, I, on the other hand, though, having her, we know about her, her creation, what happened, what turned her into Agatha Harkness, but we have, there's a a good, uh, what would you say, a hundred year gap before, between that moment and the moment where she actually comes into WandaVision? Hundred year gap? Like 400 years. Yeah. Okay, yes. Salem yeah. witch trials did not happen in the 1900s, Josh. You don't know. You don't know that. <laughs> you don't know history. <laughs> uh, but colonial American history? Darn right, I do. Being from Philly. <laughs> but uh, that being said, yeah, like having her, I it, if they call it the Avengers of, of Agatha Harkness, I'll be pissed. But. Um, Although it would be funny to do like a 
<gasps> okay. Um. All right. All right. All right. Ready? Here we go. Um. Let's say I don't know how you would do this, but let's do a a Wandavision type show for Agatha where every episode kind of plays off of other um like witch or magic shows. So like. First episode could be like Agatha the Teenage Witch, because she's like a teenager when it all happens, and then maybe goes into like you know the oh geez um David Blaine, <laughs> Jesus David <laughs> Blaine, <laughs> have, have her meet like like uh uh, uh Penn and like Teller really, like big well Penn and Teller have her meet um chris angel and like like there would just be like there's i think there's so much fun potential that you could have here with that character because she is obviously adaptable and she so just have her going through history would be hilarious on its own okay alternate idea scrap everything agatha harkness because when i was watching the finale this is the only thing that pops in my head because it was in daylight and the way that they shot it looked exactly similar just cast her as the new witch in a rebooted Halloween town. Because looking at her, she looks exactly like um, Debbie Reynolds' character. And better yet, you could bring back the original Marnie actress, um, Kimberly J. Brown, to be the mom character who doesn't believe or want to do magic anymore as trying to stop their kids from being a witch. That's how you do it. That sounds much better than an Agatha Harkness show. Because, seriously, when I was watching the WandaVision finale and she comes down with all the magic powers, I'm going, oh, we're in Halloween Town now with this bright freaking lighting and the cinematography here. This is not, this isn't Marvel cinematography. This is Halloween Town cinematography. Yeah. I, yeah, but like, I, I think, uh, on, well, like, on one foot, it is like, really? Like, that's the person you're going to be a spinoff and you're not. You're not giving her opportunity to show up in movies or whatever. But on the other hand, it, there's potential. There is potential there, and it'd be hard to ignore it. Now, lastly, mm. we've got this Wonka thing. So, Timothy Chalamet, they're filming Wonka, the prequel film for Warner Bros. right now, which I'm not going to lie. I was actually surprised that they're doing it now. I thought this is still a little bit of little bit, bit a ways away, but they're filming Wonka right now, and Timothy Chalamet took to social media to share this first look at him in the Wonka suit, and it's well documented how much of a fan I am of the original source material and of the Gene Wilder movie, so what do I think about this look? <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, yeah? I like it. A lot like more a lot than people would expect me to. Um, because I see this and I get more of a sense of Wonka than I ever did from the Johnny Depp one. But also, yeah. did I overanalyze this picture? Of course I did. And I appreciate that his clothes look a little tattered and worn, which kind of implies that he comes from maybe a not as wealthy family and maybe had to work his way up to being Wonka. Maybe there's some magic that he learns along the way. Because I'm still under the impression that Wonka as a being has some form of magic. And that's how you could kind of tell the kid's futures. And that's why he sets the traps specifically for the kids to be preyed upon their weaknesses. So they learn their moral lesson. Looking at the picture, though, he looks very Wonka-esque. Like... His little yeah. smirk, like he knows more than everyone else in the room about something. He's got... he. This is clearly prototype Wonka, and I'm actually... 
really on board with this. And I'm also more on board because Timothy Chalamet has his pick of whatever movies he wants to be in right now. And the fact that he attached himself to this one clearly means he sees something in this. It's he likes something about this. Also, Rowan Atkinson is in this movie. And I cannot hate any movie that's got Rowan Atkinson in it. Please just maybe he's one of Wonka's rivals. Maybe this is never said in the book, but um, Slugworth. Um, no, Slugworth is Harry Potter. Slughorn. Maybe Slughorn taught Wonka everything he knows. And that way, when Wonka eventually surpasses him, that's why Slughorn is so obsessed with getting... It is Slugworth. Mm-hmm. Maybe Slugworth is obsessed with getting stuff back just because he's like, maybe Rowan Atkinson is playing Slugworth. You never know. I'm reading way too much into this. Josh, what do you think about this first look? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this. I get a... It, it's been really weird to see the comments on this picture of people being like, ah, this is more wild than the depth one, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, um, Nothing's how? more wild I, than that. Yeah, I don't understand how that's this is more wild, but I get especially with the hair i get a hardcore wilder vibe from the from timmy shallowings and wonka what i for, i had Good? to look up who the director was because i knew it was someone prominent the guy that's directing this directed both paddington movies guys and those are bro like... let's go oh we are in for a trip then because the paddington movies will go down in history as like some of the most like wholesome content of all time oh that yeah has unnecessarily good um yeah no no tim chalman is like i like i like this picture he looks good uh, i'm getting wilder vibes from it as opposed to johnny depp vibes which you know say what you want the the burton wonka has a specific place i think in our love of wonka there's some stuff that they really do well and uh but i like that this like in that it's a prequel, I like that it they're going with more of a wilder vibe. I like that he, I did, there's just so much I love about like what he's wearing. I love it's just I I don't know how you can see this and be like, oh they're ruining my Wonka. I think the people that don't like this picture are the people that don't want this movie to happen in the first place, which I get. That's fair. Um, we are as a culture dependent too much on sequels, prequels, and remakes. And that's what we're going to talk about in our discussion, and we're not going to milk that at all whatsoever. Nope. Um, but I I also kind of hope that in this movie we get not a fully old, but maybe in his 40s or 50s, uh, a Grandpa Joe appearance. Because I kind of like... he worked at the factory, I, yeah. I like the implication that they had in the Depp movie, at least, that he worked for Wonka at one point. I, I kind of hope they bring that back. Maybe kind of bring in the elements from the Wilder movie and bring in the elements from the Depp movie that ended up working. Because the Depp movie we talked about before isn't as bad as people make it out to be. Johnny Depp's performance is terrible, and I hate his wonk with every fiber in my being. But the rest of the movie is very much in the spirit of the Roald Dahl book, and there's certain things that I very much would like from a storytelling perspective for them to bring into this Wonka-verse. We don't know if it's... A, officially a prequel to the wilder one but i get the sense that it very much feels like that because he does kind of look like he could pass as a young gene wilder he's got those strong cheekbones uh his hat looks like it's been tattered and worn it's not gonna happen but maybe his hat's made of chocolate i think that could be funny Um, (laughs) maybe the end of the movie is him discovering that there's a place called oompa loompa land 
and he he's about to go leave to go there. That's it. <laughs> I'd be kind of cool. I'd, I'd be kind of down with that, honestly. Yeah, there's just a lot of like really cool stuff I think that they could do. A lot of storytelling pop possibilities. Possibilities. There we go. Um, yeah, like, it's and I like the look. All at this point, all it is is a photo. We have no real like um, synopsis of the movie. We've got no trailer, so like. If this is all you, all we have to go on, yeah, I'm down. Bring it. Let's go. So you're saying, look at this photograph. Look at this graph. <laughs> <laughs> That's a JPEG thing. Yeah. All right. As usual, our sponsor for this week's episode is T Public because they are your one-stop shop for all Uncharted Media merch. You get your tinfoil hat shirt. You can get your Uncharted Media logo shirt or anything else that you want the Uncharted Media logo on, whether it's hoodies, tees, um stickers notebooks whatever you want with the untrained media logo on you can get it uh, so yeah if you want to support the show that way feel free to do so now let's talk about some horror movies shall we as we said at the beginning of the show horror movie prequels sequels and remakes often get a bad rap just because they're like well yeah. they're not as good as the original and they're just a cash grab well that's the nature of horror you can track almost any major horror franchise and it goes really great original new concept then gets diluted by numerous sequels. It happens to every franchise eventually. Um, but that doesn't always have to be the case. There's a lot of times that there's really great sequels. Prequels, I think, are the hardest, but there's been some good prequels. And the one that I think gets bagged on the most, but isn't inherently bad, is remakes. There's actually quite a few good horror remakes out there. I think there's actually more good horror remakes than a lot of other genre remakes out there but we'd have to look like per capita basically so of those three subcategories josh sequels prequels reboots slash remakes where do we want to start first um can i can i i'm gonna start with a couple sequels just because they are not the best but they are my favorite so let's talk about Jason X and Halloween Resurrection because they're fantastic and you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> oh, man. I like, knew they'd be on there somewhere. At least. So Halloween Resurrection, I, I, I really haven't gone back and watched it in a long time. But there's there's it is not a good movie. Um, it implies a lot of things about Michael that aren't necessarily good. Um, it does kind of make an effort to turn Michael more into a demon than a, just a crazy person. And Halloween um, six didn't. Yeah, I know. Um, but you can't get better than Buster Rhymes being like, just like the idea of Buster Rhymes being really into Kung Fu movies. And like, to the point where he goes and learns Kung Fu so that one day, if he's ever in a position to fight somebody, he, he, he can, he's a hot, happy Halloween and mother effort. And, roundhouse kicks that moment alone makes the movie for me um jason x on the other hand uh it is the classic uh you know when you've told when you feel like you've told every story that you can with a character what do you do you take it to take him to space um works so well for leprechaun yep so well for leprechaun so well for fast and furious it Um, almost happened to halloween i believe it but let's be glad it didn't because there's nothing better than Jason X. Um, the Some of the kills actually in Jason X, I think it might be some of my favorite in the series. Uh, the the um, 
Oh, jeez. What's the... When he freezes the girl and shatters her? That's my favorite her. one of all time. It's so Favorite good. horror movie when... killed, not just Friday the 13th, but favorite horror movie killed, period. It's Liquid so nitrogen. so good. Um, when he throws the, the, the one person onto the, the spiral drill and they just kind of like... They take the time with the shot and, it, and it, the body like swirls down the body. Great. Uh, and then my personal favorite where they they have to stall for time and they uh, put him in a hologram room and put and two hot teenagers saying they're going to have sex. We're going to have premarital sex. Premarital sex. And that like that is the best joke of this series because that's like the running gag with Jason. Um, and like they cut away and they cut back and he's got one in a sleeping bag and he's whacking her against a tree. Like that's, it's the, it's such a good time. I think primarily because they know what the, the material they have. And while it is not the best movie of the series, I still maintain that the first one is the best. Um, but it's by far the most entertaining. There's not a lot of ways you can get more entertaining than Jason X. Okay, then let's start. Let's just start with sequels since we're already here, and I'll rebuttal because I have some Friday the Thirteenth on my list. I think Friday the Thirteenth is a very spotty franchise. Um, Josh likes the first one a lot more than I do. Um, I like what they're going for with Pamela being the killer, but I think in execution, it's not that great in terms of like you can see its budget on the wall and. It didn't have the budget for actual actors, which is kind of a trend for most of Halloween. No, for most yeah. of the Friday the 13th movies. However, two of the best movies, I think, in all the Friday the 13th lore, I think, are the sequels. Uh, four, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. And uh, my personal favorite in the entire franchise, Friday the 13th Part 6, uh, Jason Lives. Because both of those feel like they had actual budgets there's actually characters that you like like seeing crispin glover <laughs> getting impaled with a corkscrew is very entertaining um as twisted as that sounds or cory seeing cory feldman just a bald cory feldman taking wax at jason Voorhees is very entertaining um yeah the fourth one is very very good but six is my favorite because you have your van helsing to your Dracula in Jason Voorhees with your full-fledged hero mode Tommy Jarvis. He's got his cool yeah. jacket and everything. You actually have a character to root for. A couple characters because he's great. The sheriff of the town is actually really entertaining and a full-fleshed-out character. And his daughter, who is, of course, romantically interested in Tommy because small circles. Um, all of them are really, really well done. It's a really good jason Voorhees. um i like the idea that tommy's so paranoid about jason being dead he accidentally brings jason back to begin with um good final fight it maybe i like it because it feels the least like the rest of the friday the 13th it's like there's clearly a budget Fair. there's a almost self-aware humor because part six has one of if not my favorite edits of all time like the way you cut a movie can be funny like the narrator looks directly at um the camera it's just like they all said i'm crazy do you think i'm crazy smash cut yay a whole bunch of kids cheering <laughs> at a camp. <laughs> next scene over i'm just like 
All right, self-aware editing. That's very well done. Like, the humor's on point. It's probably the funniest of all. Intentionally funny, not like Jason X funny. Intentionally funny. Uh, great action. I very much enjoy Friday the 13th Part 6. Um, but this will not be the last time we talk about Friday the 13th today. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, since we're on sequels, uh, how did you feel about 10 Cloverfield Lane? I almost put it on there, but I figured I, I'm going to leave it off because I know it's going to be on Josh's. Yeah, because it, it, I, I, there's nothing more terrifying than John Goodman. Like, <laughs> like out of context, that's 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 really weird, actually, because I, I don't actually. That sounds like a Family that. Guy skit. <laughs> yeah, but like at the same time, like John Goodman is genuinely terrifying in this film, like genuinely scary. And he's just a regular dude. And I think that's part of it what makes him scary is he's just a regular dude. And you don't know if he's telling the truth until the end of the movie. Um, which, in the end of the movie, I can give or take. But it's it's fine. Um, but yeah, genuinely terrifying. So basically, for those that don't know, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane is technically a sequel to the found footage monster movie that is Cloverfield. Um, Matt Reeves found footage. Uh, it is. It's fine. It's a thing that happened. Makes me sick. Yeah, it's too much shaky cam. Just Not because I hate it, the movie. Yeah, it's just too much shaky cam, and I get nauseous watching it. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough. Be- and like, I get what the what the they had to accomplish was tough because how do you do found footage with movement with a giant monster? So how do you show perspective? Like, it, it was a tough thing to do, which I understand. So, but then they, with the sequel, they do something that is so much more personal, so much more down to earth with John Goodman's character kidnapping two people and keeping them in his underground bunker. And the way that it's presented, look, while it is called 10 Cloverfield Lane, it's never, even in the trailers, hinted at that it's a sequel to Cloverfield. And so it just kind of was like, oh, okay, so this is just, just a guy that kept, keeps these two people in, a, in the bunker and tells them that the world ended, but there's no proof of it uh, going into the finale in which, in which our main character finally gets out of the bunker and you find out the truth. Um, I don't want to ruin it. I mean, it's been a long time, but it's 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 such a good movie. Um, the it was tension, the last good Cloverfield. It's the only good Cloverfield movie. Yeah, the the uh, the tension you can cut with a knife most of the film, um, and John Goodman, like he, his eyes is. I think it's his eyes more than anything else. Just in you can just he just looks like he's he's gonna murder everybody. So like you automatically don't trust him the entire film, and it's so good. So I got one that is a franchise that Josh and I both really really like, but I think Josh and I have different favorite movies in this franchise if i remember correctly which is saying something because neither of us particularly enjoy the first purge movie oh no (laughs) not at all (laughs) the purge i don't think is that great it doesn't utilize this concept very well but what i appreciate about the purge series is it doesn't ignore the first one and it doesn't retcon it it just goes well of course this family thinks the purge is okay because they're rich yuppies but what if they're not so it just it really really works when the sequels come along looking back on the first one going well of course that story works better because they view it this way because they're a totally wealthy and protected family to me though the purge doesn't get good until the best one in the franchise which is the next one and my favorite 
the sequel in the entire series, The Purge Anarchy. And that's not just because I love me some Frank Grillo, but I think The Purge Anarchy is what the first Purge movie should have been. Of people basically loose in the city on Purge night. And there's uh, Frank Grillo's character has a purpose for why he's going out. He's basically the Punisher, but... Yep. I kind of wish he was the Punisher, not going to lie. Yeah. Because he's a really, like, don't get me wrong. Like John Bernthal, if you haven't already, he was on Hot Ones this past week. And he was great. I love me some John Bernthal. Uh, I kind of like Frank Grillo as the Punisher, too. Um, but there's just chaos in the streets. You've got a good character in Frank Grillo. There's urgency. There's danger everywhere you go. Sure, you got your cliche jump scares every other scene, but... The Purge Anarchy, to me, is still the best movie in the entire Purge franchise, and I really, really enjoy it. I like Electioneer, too, um, but that one, yeah. I felt not as connected to the characters. Like, the president is, the presidential nominee is, it, she's fine, she's whatever, but just the terror of being, oh, no, someone sabotaged my car on Purge Night, and now I'm stuck in the middle of the city, that's a good concept, in which case... Well, you already exposed my purge theory of how I would survive the purge. Hide in a dumpster for a couple hours. But mm. I like the purge, yeah. Jackie. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of two and three, I think. I do think I'm also more prep, more uh, leaning towards purge two with anarchy. Just because I think the three... Anarchy is two. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were leaning uh, more towards think... three. No, no, no. Election year is cool and all. But the jump scares they try to do are too obvious. I, I mean, they're already obvious, but like they're they get more and more obvious. Um, it, it's not as, like you said, it's not as intense as the as the second one. I, I think Anarchy's just it, it yeah, like you, it just does it better. Um, but I, I think I appreciate it that at no point does the series look at the first one and be like, yeah, we, we shun that. That's not right. Like you said, like they just like, no, yeah. Like, of course these people are going to think it's a good thing. Like they're, you know, the top 1%, of course they're going to be okay with it. Um, just like EC3. Yeah. That's a anyway. reference there. Wow. Have, dude, he's been killing it lately, honestly. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty good. Uh, the most recent purge was terrible. Um, it's definitely the weakest. Made me sad. Yeah. Oh, really the Forever Purge. I thought you were talking about the first Purge. No, the first Purge is fine. Like I can deal with that. I can deal with that forever. one, but I still have not seen Forever yet, and I, I don't know have if I want no to. Desire to. I'll probably watch terrible. it just because I'm a completionist. But. <laughs> um, yeah. So, that's fair. other sequels that I will always thoroughly enjoy and defend is numerous Halloween sequels. Take your pick. Halloween 2, Halloween 4, Halloween H2O. Josh already said Resurrection. I can tolerate <laughs> Resurrection. Josh likes it more than I do, but I don't time. mind it. Uh, I always flip-flop which one I like the best of 2, 4, or H2O. All of them have their merits. Like I think of all of them, 2 has the best Michael Myers of those three movies. Um, 4 feels the closest, I think, to the original. And H2O is probably the most fun and has the most badass Lori. But H2O does lose some points because I watched it last night, and good God, that Michael Myers is terrible in H2O. The mask yes. doesn't help. 
The mask is terrible, except for the opening scene when they're using the Halloween 6 mask for a little bit before it gets changed to a CG mask, and then a mask that shows way too much of Michael Myers' eyes. Also, we know Michael Myers does the famous Undertaker sit-up, and to do that, yeah. you need to be lying on your back. So why the heck is Michael Myers laying on his stomach with his butt hanging out? And then has to scoot backwards so he could sit up properly because the dude didn't know what he was doing. And also, like, Heather and I were watching it last night. We are going, we don't remember him walking so stupid. He has this, like, Vince McMahon strut when he chases the kids. I'm going, who are you? You are not Michael Myers. If Michael Myers was more terrifying, I think I would like H2O more because the threat level would be higher. That and yes. H2O has a surprisingly low body count. Only, like, six people die in the entire movie. Um, wow. Actually, and LL Cool yeah. J is not one of them. Oh, uh, so um, I'm surprised at you saying, you know, two is you know one of your favorites, um, because technically, two, Halloween 2018 is a sequel. I didn't know where to put it, so I put it in the other category that it fits in. Okay, that's fine. We it's will a talk, sequel. We, we will talk about that, but I didn't know if it. I wanted to go okay. with more. I wanted to go for this category, at least for ones that like direct sequels more so than. We'll talk about with the reboots section later. I think it fits more in that as well as being. It kind of does. It, it fits in both. It could fit in either one, but I'd put it in the reboots section just so I could have more dedicated picks to the sequels. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Honestly, all the first four Halloweens, even though Halloween 3 has nothing to do with Michael Myers, I'll still loyally watch that every year. I love that one. The first one that I just know is five, then six is bad, but then we get H2O. To me, there's more good Halloween movies than bad, so they have a lot of good Halloween sequels, and it never went direct to DVD, thank God, because we got close to that at one point as well, but at least Halloween never went to DVD, and it never went to space yet, but we almost did get a Hellraiser crossover at one point. We also almost got a Quentin Tarantino Halloween. I wouldn't mind a Hellraiser. Yeah, I think Hellraiser would have worked better than Jason, like a lot of people want. I don't know... I don't know how that would work, but yeah, like uh, I'm kind of down for that. Um, so you want to talk about prequels? Nope, I got one more sequel. If you don't have oh, any more sequels, I have no more sequels. Okay, no, I'm I'll, surprised. I'll just, well, then again, I'll I don't have, think... I'll, I'll save uh, Halloween 2018 for when we talk about remakes. That's surprised, but then again, I don't think Josh has seen this movie. To <laughs> I think the best sequel in the Universal Monsters catalog to the point of say it together now. It's better than the original Bride of Frankenstein. Bride of okay, Frankenstein yeah, is a much better movie to me than Frankenstein. And that's saying something because Frankenstein, I think, is really good as a standalone movie. But Bride, I think, works even better. The whole sympathetic character that is Frankenstein's monster really comes into play more so in Bride of Frankenstein than it does in Frankenstein. Sure, Frankenstein, he just wants a friend and that's why he drowns that little girl accidentally and everyone tries to kill him for that. But in bride he literally does find a friend in a blind man that is what gets spoofed in uh young frankenstein or young frankenstein uh and he, he literally gets that friend ripped away from him because the blind man doesn't say anything wrong with frankenstein and but the town is just like no he's evil he's this or whatever like the world is telling the blind man who wants to be his friend no he's bad and literally rips him away and so you feel even more for um 
Frankenstein's monster. And then when they create the bride, she immediately rejects him. And that, of course, further cements the tragedy of the character. Uh, the bride is fantastic, even though she's only in the last scene. Uh, we said last week, I think Frankenstein and the bride both have some of the best designs in the entire Universal Monsters category uh, catalog. I mean, I think Bride of Frankenstein is better than Frankenstein, and it's probably two or three on my list of like the best Universal Monsters of all time. Invisible Man will still be number one, but I think this is a number two. I like this more than Frankenstein. I like this more than Dracula. Definitely like this more than The Mummy. I think this is what a sequel should do. It just further cements what world we're in. It still keeps that gothic atmosphere. We're introducing new characters, makes you more sympathetic to the character. I think the bride really, really works. My only thing is the bride's barely in the movie, even though she got the the name of the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I've never seen it. <laughs> I might though, because if you if we end up doing a. Uh... Classic movie monsters topic, discussion topic. I, I might have to go and uh, rewatch. Not, not even rewatch. Watch most of them. I think I've maybe seen the original Frankenstein. And maybe that's it. Well, I know a way that we can remedy at least some of that. Because a certain somebody last week got at least four of the classic Universal monsters on 4K. They did a 4K release. And I'll be oh, honest. Wow. The transfers look real good. Like That's I'm, awesome. I'm very impressed with how... They, they like actually found the original film scans and like scanned them and did like a cleaning up and restoration process. It looks awesome. It looks really, really well done. Nice. All right. So Man. prequels or reboots? Uh, let's go prequels. I have, I only have a couple prequels. Yeah. Uh, I have three and I, I think have, we like, have the same ones. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but I've got a ton of remakes. Um, so yeah, let's go, let's go prequels and get those now out of the way. And we can start talking about the, the dreaded topic of, uh, remakes. Yeah, what uh, what you got for prequels? I'm, I'm curious if we have the same three. Uh, I only have two. Okay, which is fine. Um, I have Ouija: Origin of Evil, Annabelle, and Annabelle Creation. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. And I always get them mixed up because they're very similar to me of from directors I love with David F. Sandberg and Mike Flanagan. And they're both prequel movies to movies that we initially hated the first ones of. Mm-hmm. They're very, very similar in that regard. Yeah, because Ouija is not good. Oh, it God, is it's terrible. painful. The scares are obvious. The characters are unlikable. Uh, and honestly, when Ouija Origin of Evil was announced and the trailer came out, I don't know about you, but I was like, all right. I tuned it whatever. out. Yeah, it was it was very like okay whatever, and I think you and I ended up watching it uh, when it came out on DVD or something like that. I feel like uh, I don't remember. I don't remember either. But jeez, this movie is so good. And it's on. It is not like the 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 way the movie ends, and like the way that like if you've seen the movie, you can be like, is that you? Like oh, dude. Scare the crap out of everyone. It's so good. It like it, it does not need to be as good as it is, but it is very like the characters are all their motivations make sense. The jump scares are fantastic. The tension is on point. Uh, like to the point where when it turns out you know evil wins in the end. Like yeah, all right, cool. I have no problem with that. That makes sense. And then Annabelle comes home is also great because. 
it oh, it learned from the mistakes of the first one of Annabelle is not what makes it scary. It's the spirit that inhabits Annabelle. So not making the doll itself what's necessary for the scares makes it so much more effective. Because um, the first Annabelle, they're just like, look how creepy this doll is. Well, it doesn't really creep me out. Look how creepy it is. It, eventually, the longer you stare at it, the creepier it gets. I mean... Steve Buscemi is creepy the longer you stare at it, too. It doesn't mean he's scary, though. Don't like, do Steve like that. Anything can be scary if you stare at it long enough, I'd imagine. True, but just true. like just having a doll sit in a corner isn't scary. But Annabelle Creation absolutely has some fantastic scares. Is it Annabelle Creation or Ouija that like the kids go to the bedroom and they think there's someone on the bed and they do the hard turn and there's someone like half of a person on a wall or something like that? I, that, I think that's Origin of Evil. It's got to be. Because the, the thing I remember from Animal Creation... Animal Creation's the one where uh, the girl that can't really walk that well is on the movable chair. And uh, she's, like, going uh, on the stairwell, and she's, like, moving up. And then the, the demon or whatever comes up and appears oh, at yeah, the top yeah. of the stairwell. And she's like, don't go back down, go back down, go back down! Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, Animal Creation takes... Everything that Annabelle did wrong and makes it right again. And God, what was? There's a moment in which I like suddenly realized I was really into this movie. Uh, when everybody runs out of the house, like the demons finally like doing its thing, um, and they all run out of the house and they're like, uh, yeah, there's something going on. It's like towards the end, so like the back third or something like that. And then our main character like gets chased through the barn, I think. And it's, like, a genuinely, like, super tension-filled. And, like, dude, I can't describe, like, how, like, all of a sudden, like, I felt I was aware of, like, how tense I was and how, like, into this I was. And was like, this is, check, you know, you check your ticket. This is Annabelle, right? Like, what is this? This movie's about a doll. So <laughs> It should be this good. My other prequel is one that I I can forgive Josh for not putting this on this list because for the most part you don't realize that it is a prequel. I'm talking Final Destination 5. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't like the Final Destination movies. I understand the cultural relevance. Mm. I understand the uh the how like cuz I saw 5 was my first. But was my first Final Destination movie, which is odd that to start with five, but that was the other. I hadn't seen any of them, and it was the it was in theaters, and I went and saw it with my girlfriend at the time. Um, I I don't know. I get they're like they're like the collector for me. It's just like never seen any of those. Yeah, it's all right. You know something bad's gonna happen. Bad things happen. Okay, cool. Like. You know, to me, none of the characters were likable enough for me to to really get into them. But I'm happy that you like it. <laughs> I like it primarily because they're not scary. Um, the first one, obviously, is the best. But all of them are just dumb fun of just, like, how? Because they just get progressively weirder and weirder and dumber. But I want to put it on the list just because of the brilliant twist that is the end That's of Final true. Destination 5 that makes it a prequel because for most of the movie you think it's set in modern day except for like one character that's getting a massage answers with a flip phone and you're just like that's weird but okay maybe he's a hipster or something and then the characters have survived their whole 
whole ordeal and then they get on the plane that's actually the plane from the first movie and you're just like yeah okay that's really really cool you close the loop and in that way i'm like that's that's pretty well done also as quality goes just the rest of the movie five i think is better than some of the sequels like i think the best final destination is probably the first one then maybe the third one because of the roller coaster the roller coaster one is so iconic um but five is pretty good too. It, maybe it's just me being more biased because it's got more polish to it and doesn't look as blatantly like '90s and early 2000s. Just that aesthetic, like the yeah. bluish greenish tint to literally everything. Um, but yeah, I think the p- twist alone warrants it to be on the best horror prequels list, even though there's not a lot of other horror prequels to go off of. Now yeah. let's go off reboots because reboots slash remakes because. Whether people want to admit it or not, there's actually quite a few decent horror reboots and remakes. One in particular on our thing here that Josh and I will save for last because I know for a fact it's on both of our lists. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, like, I looked at the graphic and I was like, that looks, that's not Carrie. What is, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes, the Carrie remake, the spectacular You mean movie the, that the movie that was legit, like, a, I mean, it's a pretty big feat it's a shot for shot re- like a legit shot for shot remake no, so with psycho the- was shot for shot again yeah. the issue with carrie is carrie as a character is supposed to be nervous and awkward and the social outcast that is not chloe grace moretz by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> chloe grace moretz is the popular attractive yeah. girl in school not the nerdy outcast nerd come on now yeah, definitely played against it on that one. Um, so I want to talk about one that uh, I was completely blown away about and didn't realize until looking it up about stuff about it later. Um, Fright Night 2011. I knew it was going to be on here. That's why I didn't put it on here. So, so good. I can't handle like, oh, dude. Like, the, the, I, I left like horror movies for a while and, you know, just because sometimes you're not always in the right mind space for it and stuff like that, which makes sense, whatever. So Anton Yelton's the guy that got me back into horror movies with Odd Thomas and Fright Night of, in 2011. Dude, holy crap. Like, to the point where, like, I was a, kind of a big uh, Doctor Who fan at the time. I didn't even realize it, it was David Tennant in, in the movie that was the played the magician. Was it? I know what Colin yeah. Farrell's in it. Yeah, because well, we that, love Colin, Colin Farrell here. Yes, he's fantastic. Uh, but no, he's the main the main vampire. David Tennant plays the magician huh. that like ends up being like a vampire killer or whatever. Um, dude, fantastic! I, there's a shot I've always remembered of nothing quite bad is happening yet. Uh, it's where it's like in the beginning, like the first 15 minutes or something like that like there's no hints of anything real bad we're just meeting anton's character his friends and his family you know this girl that he likes down the street there's a house that's been abandoned nobody really goes there blah 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 and they kind of mention that they're they're close to vegas and then they the day kind of ends or whatever and they do a helicopter shot of the subdivision as the sun sets and like you see how secluded 
the subdivision is from everything and you're just like oh no oh something very bad's about that it's so good like ah i just can't and like so many people didn't go see it because they were like ah they're remaking a classic because you know so many people talk about the original fright night nowadays like yes that's one of those properties that i think was fit to be remade when it did um another property is one of the ones that I talked about at the beginning that I saw this recently that I was going to talk about now is another one of those properties that when this came out in the late 70s, it was fit for a remake considering the original came out, I believe, in 1922. And that is Nosferatu, the living yeah. vampire. They did a late 70s um, film directed by Werner Herzog with Klaus Kinski being the main vampire. I very much prefer this to the original Nosferatu. Like, the original Nosferatu, the cinematography is great. Max Shrek is great as Nosferatu. The design is creepy. The music always throws me off for the original (laughs) Nosferatu. It does not fit at all. Like, it's just like this calm orchestral music that either goes way too hard or not hard enough on basically every scene. Like, if they remix the sound... And cleaned up some of the... If we ever got like a remaster of Nosferatu, I might like it more. But this one, just right off the bat, much better moody atmosphere. Going for that traditional gothic aesthetic. Klaus Kinski is a terrifying Dracula. To which I'm watching this going, you you sound familiar. And then it dawned on me of... so. Here's the random thought of the day. If we ever get a reboot of Nosferatu, like Robert Eggers has talked we about forever. We were supposed to. If we ever get a reboot of Nosferatu or a reboot of a proper Dracula, not an action movie, there's only one actor I want for this. No. Rami Malek. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no question. His teeth are already protruding. He's, he's not even so much I that, like, you jerk. But, but no, like, yeah, like, he's already perfect for it. Rami Malek, as I'm watching the Klaus Kinsey one, his voice sounds very, very similar to Rami Malek that he's done in a couple of different performances. But also, I know there's quite a large fan base that really, really finds Rami Malek attractive. I'm not one of them, but I know there's a lot of people that find Rami Malek attractive, and that is very important for Dracula. Like, Dracula is a charmer, so to speak, as well as terrifying. Like, you like him, but you don't know if you fully trust him. Which, no offense to Rami Malek, but that's kind of Rami Malek in a nutshell. Like, I like you. Doesn't mean I trust you. Like, cool. I like you, but please social distance from me. Because I don't trust you. <laughs> but I love that social distance is going to be uh, oh, like a word. word in our vernacular now. Like, uh, you know what? I don't really like you. So if you could social distance from me, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But the late 70s Nosferatu is really, really good. I think also being in color helps. Um, but just yeah. the atmosphere, the modern effects to it, I really, really enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Primarily because no one really talks about it nowadays. Just because... SpongeBob really knows, mentions Nosferatu, and that's about it. No one really talks about Nosferatu nowadays. Until Robert Eggers does his remake, dang it. It'll happen. It's, it's still real to me, dang it. It's, it was real to me. He's doing Werewolf, though, isn't he? He's doing Before something. The, he's doing something. 
Because he was like, I, I, remember, I vividly remember there was a moment in time when he was like, yeah, I'm going to do all the classic movie movie monsters, quote-unquote, and really put, like, period piece spins on them. And I was like, absolutely, you proved your metal in which, and just, like, a period piece Nosferatu without any of the weird stuff would be terrifying. But whatever. Or, I mean, with the weird stuff, that's fine, too. No, no weird stuff. Um, speaking of weird stuff, you want to talk about remakes now? That's what we're talking about now! Oh. So anyway, uh, let's talk about remakes. Um, <laughs> uh, um, do we want to talk about It for a little bit? I mean, because while it is Part not... One. It won, yes. Okay. There's a reason it's not on the sequel discussion. To be fair, um, though, the second one I'll give a little bit of a pass to, because even in the book... When they're adults, it has no purpose. It's just basically, re even in the book, it's rehashing the events from their childhood, basically, of, oh, no, we've got to pull together, embrace, uh, face our fears individually before we can defeat Pennywise together. I'm like, that's the exact same plot as when they're kids. So why didn't yeah. they just defeat Pennywise completely when they, when they were kids? Then you wouldn't have, but then your book wouldn't be as long and you wouldn't sell as many copies and. Yeah. Again, it it should just end when they're kids because it just repeats basically. So I'll give the part to that like take that off its bird shoulders, so to speak. Of like, I'll let you have a pass just because the second half is tricky to adapt, and also it turns into a spider and they defeat him by doing drugs and talking to a cosmic turtle. Like clearly yeah. something went off the rails in the second half, and I don't blame Andy Muschietti for that. Yeah, that's uh, it's a tough thing to do, and I think that there's always the discussion to have like what it, what Pennywise do you prefer, and all that, and like you and I have both said like you know each one has its specific goals that it's trying to do. Um, it in 2017 is definitely the scarier mm -hmm. question mark one, um, whereas the uh, it in uh, uh, for Tim Curry's is definitely more likable. It's hard to not. Be like, yeah, like I want to be your friend, but I when I tell you, the trail when the trailer dropped with the the scene, the opening scene basically. Like I was legitimately on board and kind of scared scared from the trailer alone, just like oh okay so we're we're doing the Pennywise thing but we're leaning hard into it and boy do they lean hard. Like, into the, all the weirdness of it. They had merchandising money to make, dang it! Yes, they did. <laughs> and we still see that to this day of, anything that can have Pennywise will have Pennywise on it, do you understand me? And I'm going, okay, okay, sure. And they've got all these interesting fandoms that really like them some Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise. Going. He's scary. I'm sticking with that. I don't. I don't, uh, I don't think people are scared stuff. of him. Yeah, I but like, but even then, like shots like the one of him when he's holding all those balloons, uh, when he comes out of the uh, the the refrigerator in the abandoned house. Like, there's so much stuff. While it is unfortunately funnier than I think it's anticipated, the little the the dance he does out of <laughs> uh, it's not supposed to be funny but like god it's, <laughs> it's hard to take it seriously um but like that's like stuff like that i think takes pennywise and the it story 
to a whole nother level that I, I don't think Tim Curry's was ever prepared to go to. No. Uh, so I'm trying to think. Uh, I've got a, quite a few on here that I know Josh will have on his list somewhere. So let's do one that I know will not. The 2009 Friday the 13th. The Michael Bay Platinum Dunes Friday the 13th. I love this movie. Uh, and I will unabashedly <laughs> say so because I know some people are just like, it's just Michael Bay's Friday the 13th. Yeah, and he's the perfect guy to do it. Why? Because Friday the 13th is all about death and boobs. That's what Michael Bay loves in this world besides <laughs> explosions. Like, everyone's just like, it's too this or it's too that. To me, the Friday the 13th reboot in 2009 was literally just condensed perfect elements of things that we like in the Friday the 13th. Yes, you've got the horny teenagers on steroids, basically, for this movie. There's way more than there has been in some other previous movies. A lot of violence, but just compressed down. Like, everything gets ramped up to 11. Great kills. I love the part where uh, Jason, like, throws a tomahawk, basically, into a kid's back and then just leaves him on the stump. Doesn't go to finish him off, basically, as bait for his friends to try and get him. I'm like, ah, we have smart Jason now. That's terrifying. And Jason running full speed at people like a freaking bulldozer. And also, a one-up you, Josh. They actually improve your sleeping bag kill from Jason X in the 2009 one. I think. Really? Yeah. I think he hits somebody with a trash with a um with in the sleeping bag, but then at least somebody gets strung up while they're in the sleeping bag and put over the fire like a Spitfire. And basically, oh, that's great. I'm going. Oh no, um, it's super, super violent. Uh, but that's exactly what Friday the Thirteenth is. I think people just don't like it because it might be more polished. It definitely has a, more of a budget than previous Friday the Thirteenth. But it basically like condenses down the first three to four movies into one movie and kind of strips away the excess. It's not high art. It's not perfect. But that's exactly what Friday the 13th is. Cheesy, dumb, popcorn fun. And in that sense, I think they absolutely nailed it for the remake. And I think it's a lot of just diehard Friday the 13th fans that don't like it because they want things in a very specific way. I'm going, adapt or die. And I think this one actually is more of a loving love letter to the original than they want to admit. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah, that would never be on my list. Um, Actually, I don't know. I think I've seen that. I'm not sure. I think you would like it. I'll have to look it up. Maybe I'll look it up uh, later this week or something. Um, (laughs) Let's, uh, we have to at least mention uh, the 1982 thing. I know we talked about it last week with creature designs, but um, it is easily one of the best, most successful remakes of all time. To the point that Um, people don't realize it's a remake. Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple other things on here that are that I oh one other thing I didn't realize was the, was a remake, but um yeah, like it is so good that people don't realize that it's a remake. Also, it's so good, the one where they use you know you know futuristic CGI is not as good as the '82 one. It's not as scary. However, I will say I almost put that 2011 version on the prequels list because as a whole. Minus the CG, I don't think the movie's that bad, honestly. Okay. Like, the CG is terrible, 
But as a movie goes, I think Joel Edgerton and Mary Elizabeth Winstead are really, really good in the movie. Um, I do think it leads into the original thing pretty well. Um, it's pretty decent. It's not the best prequel out there, but I wouldn't mind rewatching it every once in a while. I don't think it's nearly as bad as people make it out to be. I think they just wanted better creature effects, which is a shame because the movie actually did make it, but the studio... The Weinsteins, more specifically, ruled it out at the last minute and be like, now nah, we're going to do CG instead. They actually made all physical creatures just in the spirit of the original again. Um, it's always funny to me that people are just like, wow, I didn't realize the thing was the remake. Y'all watch the original Halloween, right? Because in the original Halloween, Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace are watching The Thing on TV because yeah. John Carpenter was a huge fan of Howard Hawks, who directed the original thing, The Thing from Outer Space. Which is ironic because John Carpenter would later do the remake for The Thing. I'm just going, yeah. ah, so it's one of those <laughs> weird full circle moments. Like how Christopher Nolan put a Batman sticker on his first ever film like seven years yeah. before he did a Batman movie. I'm going, this is weird. That's um, so weird. So to bring that full circle, Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace will be in Halloween Kills this weekend. Which is a continuation of the there 2018's Halloween. Which also must be in consideration for best reboot slash remakes we jokingly say but it's totally accurate this is the force awakens of the halloween franchise you're gonna follow yeah. very very similar story beats with some tweaks for a new audience that does not need to see the original but you appreciate it more um i remember before i saw 2018's halloween people reviews were saying there are certain moments in this that diehard Halloween fans are going to stand up and cheer. I'm going, I can't think of any iconic moments in Halloween that would get me to stand up and cheer. But then when Michael throws Lori off the balcony and he goes to check on her and she's not there, I'm like, so that's what you mean. Because that gets me excited. To which, mark my words, I think it'd be awesome is if, not in this movie, but if in Halloween ends, Michael, like, stabs Lori a whole bunch of times or something like that and she's just lying down and she thinks he thinks she's dead and he goes to walk away and she does his sit up yes yeah, give it to me oh my gosh and that's if Lori survives uh, kills um, she will <laughs> I think she'll survive kills because in most good trilogies you don't kill off your Luke Skywalker character in the middle of your trilogy what why not <laughs> I like how Luke went out in Last Jedi. I don't like that. Out, like that he went out in Last Jedi, though. Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Uh, but yeah, no. Like Halloween Kills is fantastic. I think. Um, Halloween, you mean? Not Halloween Kills. We haven't ha- seen oh it yet. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we haven't seen it yet. That's next week. Um. Oh, whoa, that's nice. That's this it's week. in three days, dude. That's this week. Oh my gosh! Oh, it's time! Oh, it's time! Um. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is going to be a long week and I'm so excited about it. Um, yeah. No, Halloween is 2018 is fantastic. Uh, I still, do, I still see, see people that say they hate it and I don't understand. I think they're the same people that, uh, ate glue for fun. Um, because they're stupid. There it is it, literally, if you enjoy horror movies or Halloween movies in general, uh, there's no way you can not have a good time with this. It's so good. It's so fun. You can stop laughing at my That's such terrible... a weird correlation. <laughs> if you <laughs> like, hate Halloween 2018, it's because you ate glue. Glue is a kid. Yeah, I've said it. <laughs> I don't care. And uh, he's sticking to it. 
Yeah, I, as most of my jokes go, uh, it's better to just stick with it than try to backtrack. Um, no, because no, yeah, it's glue. You're sticking with it. Uh, so anyway. Um... <laughs> Alright, I've got one more. How many more you got? I have two more, but that's only because uh, of the one that both of us have. Yeah, so what's have. the one that we I don't have? Uh, the crazies. I almost the, put that on here. Dude, first of all, didn't realize it was a, a, a remake until I was doing uh, doing this list. Um, and I was like, because you, know, you know, I say this in pre, pre our little pre-meeting before every episode. I'm like, I, I, do, I always have to do a little research on, on movies just because my brain doesn't remember everything that I watch sometimes. Um, but did not realize that Crazies was a remake, which makes me excited that I get to talk about Crazies because, God, like you want you want like a template to how to do a, a zombie movie, right? Like, oh, so good. Um, and I love, like, there's these little moments of, like, the guy dragging the bloody pitchfork through the through the hospital. Like, the, the guy going crazy in the middle of a baseball field. Like, that's, there's so much good stuff that it, like, and then finding out why everything's happening to the point where it almost opens it up for a sequel at the end if they really, really, really wanted to. Um, it's just, there's, there's, the pacing's fantastic. The characters are likable. Um, there's just not the the jump scares aren't too obvious, but there's also not a lot of jump scares. Um, it's just good tension building. Good like okay, we know, we know what these people are care- capable of, and that's anything. Uh, so let's hope for the best and just just try to survive and get out of this town. It's just it's it's such a good movie, and I always recommend it to people that are like I I. I, I I need something I haven't watched. I've never seen. It's crazy. Absolutely. Now, one that uh, I know a lot of fans went into this wanting to hate it. And you and I went into it primarily because completely, <laughs> completely not caring about it whatsoever, just because we didn't care about the original franchise that much. Yeah. But even fans of the original are going, holy crap. Now, that's how you do it. Is the Fede Alvarez remake of Evil Dead. Holy crap, this is one of Josh and I's favorite horror movies, full stop. Like, Halloween will always be my number one. Yeah. But this is will always be my top ten of, oh, how effed up is effed up? That's effed up. Like, this movie is just, <laughs> uh, 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 nope. But it, it, like, takes its time to make sure that it's logical and consistent. Like, you got that trope of, well, why are these stupid teenagers out in the middle of the woods anyway? Well, they're trying to get their sister to come clean and sober up. Ah, that makes sense where they're cut off from technology. Okay, yeah. this is basically a purge, so to speak. Not a, not a purge, but a purge. Um, yeah. And so that makes sense. The characters make sense. And then when stuff starts going sideways, oh, they go sideways real quick and real bad. Uh, and it's yeah. wonderful. I also, I appreciate the the main hero of the story is the one that gets the worst stuff to happen to her. Like, she's the one that gets possessed first and turns evil and tries to basically kill everyone else. And then ends up being the hero of the movie. Uh, the gore. I'm not normally a big gore fan of my movies. I don't like excess. This was so gory and violent. Like, 
the girl like in the corner gnawing and she turns her head and her lips and jaw is just completely eh, nope um yeah but like it's it's my always my complaint with gore is that sometimes it feels unnecessary and it's like oh you're just doing that to be gross and scary but like here things are kind of are pretty well explained they're pretty pretty well they're logical like she looks like that because the demon drove her to do that but but she the why is it raining raining blood well because the prophecy said it would and i was like oh okay well that that's cool um yeah the, there's so much good stuff and like to the point where they do a lot of little things really really well um from machetes and knees to um <laughs> i always have to bring up that scene i hate it, it so much it, because <laughs> it literally drives Nathan insane. I think that's the first time you and I watched a movie, and I saw you literally scream and squirm at the same time. Can't I can't? Dude. It was so great, y'all. Um, for those that don't know, I have a scar on my knee, like exactly where one of the characters gets attacked, and I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. Flashbacks, no, thank you. But like the also like the the sound design is so good because it it does that sound of the of metal scraping along bone and just uh, uh, it's so good. Um, the 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 thing that isn't in the movie that is in the trailer that I'm glad is not in the movie I think would have taken away from it is that little weird song that she's supposed to sing in the trailer and then she they, they that's not in the movie and I was like. Thank you. I mean, there's a part of me that thought it was a little creepy only because I didn't have a lot of experience with the Evil Dead franchise. But now that I've seen the movie, it's one of those like, yeah, that would have been that would have been a total tone shift. It would have been really, really, really weird. What I love about Evil Dead is Mia has to be one of the best horror movie protagonists ever of like, mm-hmm. yeah, I was uh, a druggie before this. I got possessed. I've got nothing left to lose. So I'm going balls to the wall. And she's so badass by the end of it. Like, her arm yeah. gets flattened by, like, a car or a bus or something. And so she's about to die. So she basically just rips her own arm off and just equips herself with a a chainsaw and just goes, okay, that's a cool homage to the original, well, Evil Dead 2. And you're going, okay, I really want you to team up with the original cast, which supposedly was the plan because Bruce Campbell is in the end credits at the end. He just turns to face the camera, groovy. And we didn't get it. We're getting a new Evil Dead, but it's not connected, and it's not a continuation of this, and that makes me super, super sad, because this, to me, is still the blueprint of how you remake something successfully. Like, it follows the tropes of the original, but diverges and does its own thing and modernizes it incredibly well with good characters, fantastic effects that honors the original, a great main protagonist, just a really good movie, really good, terrifying scares. There's just this uneasy the entire time you're watching it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Like when they and like the characters themselves are logical from the point to, to certain to a certain extent, you know, because they when they first go into the basement, like first thing out of their mouth, one of the guys' mouth is like, "I don't know if we should be here. This is don't read that." Yeah, don't do that, man. Like that's not. Uh, let's that, that that seems like bad things will happen. Let's not do that. And so, like, there's there already is this voice of like reason throughout the film and stay until he dies. Um, and then, but yeah, it's 
fan, like you said, it's the blueprint of how to remake a movie. It's so good. Better, hmm, better than the original. I would say better than the second one as well. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Still get chills. A good horror movie leaves you like thinking about it even years later. There's times when certain scenes of that movie will just pop in my head. I'm like, oh, oh, jeez, that's yeah, that was terrifying. The tree. Stop. Oh, there's so much. I can't look at vines the same way. Nope. I can't look at, like, mirrors the same way. Like, there's so much in that film that does everything right. It's just, mm. And it's logical from the point of the, the where the, yeah. Anyway, I, I could talk about Evil Dead all the time. It's so good. Well, what do you guys think? What are some of the best horror remakes, sequels, or prequels? Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. We're going to start the slow climb to 1,000. Let, let's shoot for 750 first before we get to 1,000. <laughs> um, and as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.